Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, yeah, hey, yeah, and welcome to the <laughs> podcast. Hey, yeah, let's go. <laughs> I'm Josh, and there's Chuck, and Jerry's here, and this is the podcast. Ta-da! What is that all about? That was my impression of Broadway. Oh, I thought that was your understudy, Matt Frederick. <laughs> I could see Matt Frederick doing the same thing. I didn't know he was my understudy. Is that right? Is he my successor? No, of course not. There is no successor. Ben Bolin well, was mine on April Fool's Day. Yeah, that was a good one. But we know that wouldn't fly. No, he got we, hate We love mail. Ben. Yeah, of course. We don't want to put him in that situation. Oh, interesting. Update. So, I was just looking, Josh. The reason I thought to do a podcast on understudies is twofold. Okay. Uh, I was in New York recently, mm-hmm. and I went to Broadway and saw Neil Simon's Plaza Suite with SJP and Matthew Broderick in the lead oh, roles. Are they in that together? They are in that together. Wow. First time they have shared the Broadway stage in a couple of decades, and I think their first lead performances opposite mm-hmm. one another. Mm-hmm. Real life, husband and wife. And it was great, and we had a great time. And uh, two things happened on that trip. One, I hung out with uh, Joey Ciara, our good friend. Yes. And Joey was talking about his friend who is a understudy in Hamilton, I believe the touring production, but maybe not, who knew like six different parts that this gentleman could sub in for. Mm-hmm. And we talked a lot about that, and I was kind of blown away. And it got me thinking about understudies. But then right after we left New York, uh, Matthew Broderick got COVID just mm-hmm. a week or so, and a half or two weeks into his run because mm-hmm. we saw the last preview. And his understudy uh, took over in a play that is almost just two people. Everyone's oh, wow. going to see this real-life husband and wife on right. stage. So <laughs> when the understudy comes on, it's not great, but I was just looking to see if I could find his name. And uh, as of like three days ago, SJP now has COVID. So they have just canceled uh, through uh, when they're better, which is like another week or so. Gotcha. Which is something, you know, the, the, the show must go on is the sort of line in Broadway. And that is the whole idea of the understudy mm-hmm. is that if someone is sick or stubs their toe or falls off the stage, uh, there is someone else there that knows the part that can immediately step in and play this part um, ideally close to identically as the as the lead or, you know, even if it's not the lead, any any part. 
Yeah, I saw it put that understudies are the insurance policies that make sure the show will go on. Right. But after reading this, and uh, Livia, who did our Unsung Heroes of the Court, she got another mm-hmm. Unsung Heroes of Broadway article here. Mm-hmm. Uh, understudies and standbys and the swing, and we'll talk about what all these terms mean, they are truly heroes because it is astounding what they're tasked to be able to do. Right. Like, true, they don't save people's lives or they don't, you know, run charities or anything (laughs) like that. But they are are heroes in their own way. They are certainly the hardest working people in show business, if you ask me. Yeah, and and it will become clear why, because you might just think, what, you learn a part and if someone goes down, you do that part. Oh, hang on to your hats. It is much more than that. Yeah. Hang on to, yeah, I got nothing. You're about to make a joke. <laughs> so um, so we are talking understudies, and most people, Chuck, think that when you're talking about an understudy, it is, like you said, you just, you know a part, and if the, if some, if the star goes down, you fill in. And it's a pretty thrilling idea, like, you know, somebody getting their shot at a big break after sitting in the sidelines. Um, and it can be, it can be very... Um, aptly compared to that backup quarterback who literally is sitting on the sidelines mm-hmm. and they get their chance and they show like what a great job they're doing. On Broadway, there's the same thing and that is the understudy. But there's a bunch of different kinds of understudies. And the one that most people think of is actually called the standby, which is where you are the person who knows every single word, movement, uh, dialogue, song, um, uh, blocking cue, that the lead of that play knows. And so if that that lead goes down, then you stand in. But you can go potentially years without ever getting that call. Like over over the, the run of a place, a multi-years run of a play, you might be on stage a handful of times because you're that special. Your job is that specific. You, you've you got one role and you're filling in for one part at, only on the basis of some accident or unforeseeable circumstances happen to the lead. So you have to step in. That's what most people think of as an understudy. But in, in reality, that's actually the, the job of the standby. Right. And the standby, you know, if it's like in the case of Plaza Suite, where it is largely two people on stage at all times, mm-hmm. you need uh, another it's it's probably not going to be some unknown that's going to be the standby for either SJP or MB. Uh, and in this case, I did find his name. Uh, his name is Michael McGrath. And Michael McGrath is a very, he's won a Tony Award. He's a very sort of renowned old school, uh, I think five or six years older than Broderick even, uh, mm-hmm. Broadway guy. So mm-hmm. it, it, in a situation like this, you have a heavy hitter on standby that is um, – just hoping that Matthew Broderick gets food poisoning or COVID. <laughs> right. So he can step in there. Uh, and I, I looked up uh, Sarah Jessica Parker has an understudy too, and it's kind of a shame that they canceled. But in the case of that, you know, you have to make a call as a production. And when it's your two lead stars in a, in a right. play of two, uh, it, it's probably the right call to go ahead and cancel that because there's, what you don't want to deal with is a lot of, as you'll see, unhappy ticket buyers, which happens. Exactly. So that's a standby, right? And that's they're what the New York Times called the most elite type of understudy. Again, that's what I always thought was an understudy. Right. But an understudy, it turns out, is somebody who is part of the cast who goes on usually night after night. Well, can but, be, but not always. 
Okay, but they are also ready to fill into one or more roles, usually a principal role. That's the understudy. Whereas standby is like, you might not even be in the theater, but you're on call every time that show is on and you are expected to be within five minute run or drive to the theater so you can get there because something has gone horribly wrong. An understudy is somebody that's, that has a much more um, frequently attached position at the theater, and usually it's a role in, in the ensemble cast. Yeah, I think they're usually in the cast. I don't think it has to be. A lot of this is determined, as we'll see, by the the actors' union for Broadway, which is a- actors' equity and the mm-hmm. deals they work out with producers. Uh, but before we get to those specifics, you also have your swing and this is what Joey's friend would be. A swing can cover a lot of different roles. And a swing might be like a performer in the chorus, but can jump up there and play Hamilton or Jefferson mm-hmm. or uh, Burr at any. And this this dude could do that. Uh, it is one of the more impressive things to accomplish, I think, because you know all these parts. You know all the songs. Like you said, you know all the choreography and the blocking, you've got to know, as Livia points out, something you don't even think about, which is um, between uh, between sets, I have to go back, and i got to know what costume I'm supposed to be in and who to talk right. to yeah. who has that costume. Like, you've got to know every single part to be able to seamlessly transition so that no one – I mean, they know because they announce, like, you know, in the role of – for Matthew Broderick tonight, the understudy will be performing, and there's a, coll- a collective groan. But uh, it had had it not be for that announcement, uh, in a regular understudy role, you shouldn't be able to tell the difference. No, because it's not it's not the star, it's not the lead necessarily. Right. It's just yeah, you you would never know. But that is something with the swing. So like, um, they might know anywhere between five to a dozen of those roles. And like you were saying, each of those roles has different costume changes, different choreography, different um, different words to, to say or sing. Like, and they know all of those inside and out. And when you start to understand what a swing does, then you start to get what I was saying earlier, that they are probably the hardest working people yeah. in show business because at, on, in, on any given night, they're ready to go at a moment's notice to, to do those roles um, at the drop of a hat. And and it's because they've worked so hard up to that point and keep working too. It's not like there's a, a time where you can stop and relax. As long as the show is running um, over the course of weeks, months, years, however long it goes, you have to you have to basically keep your engine revving ready to, to put it into drive all of a sudden and peel out on the stage, <laughs> and lay rubber from the wings. That's how they always put it in, in the acting world. So that's the understudy standbys and the swings. There are also alternates, uh, and this is someone who is scheduled to take the place of one of the uh, actors in that you might be in uh, Chicago for a three-year run, and you're like, I don't do the matinees anymore. We have an alternate that does uh, my matinees. Everyone Mm -hmm. knows this going in. It's not like a sickness or anything happened or an injury happened. Tickets half price. (laughs) Uh, So I mentioned the, the, the actor's equity uh, and the Broadway producers, they work through these contracts just like they would with uh, SAG or the Writers Guild with film and television. And it, it's all, you know, you don't have a choice on Broadway of how many understudies and standbys and swing that you hire. It's all sort of contractual. You mm-hmm. have to hire an understudy for every single role uh, except for bit players and in some case stars 
in the case of Plaza Suite, of course, they had understudies. But if it's a one-person show, mm-hmm. you're not going to throw an understudy up there because it's it's really about that one person's – like, there may be some leeway there according to, like, the production and how they run it, but uh, you're not required to understudy the star. Yeah, they also um, probably – well, they don't necessarily need to hire understudies if it's a limited run show, like for a few weeks or more. Um, anything right. beyond that, though, they probably will need to hire understudies. Right. Or if it's off Broadway or in, you know, a, a third area uh, stage mm-hmm. theater, it's all bets are off. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. You're smart to hire then- understudies, though. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the other things, too, is that you start to get into logistics because if you're working with understudies and they have a regular role in the ensemble, if the lead that the understudy uh, is working under falls ill or sprains their ankle or whatever happens, mm-hmm. and believe me, a lot of stuff happens on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, that right? understudy is no longer filling that role in the ensemble, which means now you got to go to your swings. And does that swing have anything else that they were doing that you need to bring another swing in right. for? Suddenly, like 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 a UPS route in the middle of a blizzard. Right. <laughs> it's okay. like my nightmare. Logistics is like I I those are the true heroes to me. You say understudies are the true heroes. I think logisticians who deliver things or, or like reroute planes. I think they're the true heroes because I could not do it. Yeah, and in the case of like a Hamilton or a bigger show with a bunch of people that are singing and dancing, if you have a a, a flu that sweeps through, you know, let's talk pre-COVID and we'll get to what COVID did to Broadway, but, you know, a flu that sweeps through the cast and like three people go down in a week, it, it's a Jenga game as a production because like you said, you're pulling people from one role to another. Then he'll who's that who fills that role, then who fills that role. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden you're looking at the stagehand and you're going, Can you dance? <laughs> all right. Have you been Can paying I attention? They rip off of their norm core outfit and all of a sudden they're wearing a tight fitting tuxedo and soft shoes underneath. It's so good. What a what a story. So let's go back to talking about logisticians. Okay. <laughs> But there's an equation, Chuck, that these producers and the director and everybody, although I think it's probably up to the producers, are making. When you start to go down the list and you're moving everybody around, eventually you get to a point where the show or the cast doesn't really resemble the cast that the people coming to see the show are are coming to see. Yeah. And after a certain point, it's probably like... Um, people are so many people are going to ask for a refund or some partial refund or something that it, you're better off just giving everybody some time off and just you know canceling the show for a day or two. Yeah, uh, you know those. Uh, I mean, Livia came up with some great examples over the years of like when multiple people go down. Uh, in 2016, uh, there was a cold on the set of uh, Falsettos, mm-hmm. and the lead role, Stephanie J. Block's role of Trina, went down understudy went down and then there was a swing stephanie umo u-m-o-h um covering different roles uh had to take the stage in the lead with a two and a half hour lead time and apparently had to even use the script on stage but got a bunch of um support and cheers from the audience which um you know like we said audiences can be unkind but my experience with broadway is that theater goers are understand this stuff and try to be supportive mm-hmm. when something like this happens, even though their expectations and their hopes may be a bit dashed. Like mm-hmm. Livia talks about people booing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, 
I wouldn't like to think that happened. I'm sure it has, but uh, well, they're all from Jersey. <laughs> Bridge and tunnel, baby. Uh, I, I, generally, I think there are more stories of people trying to support the people on stage than go, oh, what is this? I want my money back. Yeah. Like clapping for the person who has to use the script because they're so unprepared. That's a very meta-modernist response to that. <laughs> you right, know? Let's, let's take a break. Okay. And we'll come back and talk about uh, what kind of money these people make right after this. Learning stuff with Joshua and Charles. Stuff you Hey there, are you thirsty? Well, before you take a sip, have you stopped to think about what's in your water? Many conventional bottled waters contain PFAS, harmful substances known as forever chemicals. But you can drink water as clean as nature intended. Richard's rainwater collects 100% pure, refreshing drops of rain. Yes, it really is rain, everybody. This rain is caught clean before it hits the ground or becomes polluted with pesticides and contaminants commonly found in groundwater. Yep, Richard's rainwater is naturally pure with no need for harsh chemicals or additives. That means no added fluoride, no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. And you can enjoy the clean taste of Richard's still rainwater and the long-lasting cold-pressured bubbles of Richard's sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And we even have a special offer, don't we, Josh? Yeah, text STUFF to 251292-8887 and you'll get $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's rainwater. Sip the sky. Hey there, everybody. Here's some bonus stuff you should know. This time it's about traveling to Orlando for business. Orlando has tons of places to host your conferences and meetings. Dr. Michael Edwards, CEO of Ocean Insight, said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when the day is done, you can kick off each evening at one of 46 Michelin-rated restaurants. What's not to love? So check out Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Learning things with Chuck and Chuck. Chuck and Chuck. All the 
Okay, we're back, everybody, and we are back to talk about moolah. Simoleons, cash, clams, lettuce, cabbage. Uh, what else? What are the kids saying these days? Bread. Yeah, they're bringing dough. bread back, aren't they? Dough. I think it's dough. I dough? can't remember. Money? Well, we'll say cheese. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you are a understudy, again, with the with the unions, all of this stuff is um, is prescribed how much you're going to get paid. Um, even if you don't take the stage, it's not like there's, they're like, well, you're the understudy. You didn't uh, ever make it to the main stage, so you get a pay cut. Uh, that is not the case. You get <laughs> a minimum as a Broadway performer, of, uh, and this is as of 2018, uh, maybe a little bit different now. I'm not sure if they renegotiated since then, but $2,034 a week on an actor's equity contract on Broadway. Yeah. And so some people who are in the cast every night in the ensemble who have who go on stage every night may actually make less than a swing who doesn't go on at all. And if you stop and think about it, that actually makes a lot more sense because that one person who's going on every night in the ensemble knows what's going to happen that night. They get a chance to, like, create their character and, like, rehearse and understand it. And as we'll see, like, understudy swings, they don't get those kind of opportunities. And yet they're expected to know not just one role, but eight roles and be ready to go on. So it, it makes a lot more sense. And frankly, I think they deserve even more money than they get because of the, the requirements of their job. But why would a swing make more? We didn't even say. Uh, because they have to understand and practice and rehearse for more parts. Well, they get paid more. We never even said that. Right. <laughs> Swings are an additional pay bumps. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought that <laughs> I thought that we had kind of established that in some way, shape, or form. No, 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 no. Your minimum is $2,034 a week. Is, and if you are a swing... Uh, or an understudy, you make pay bumps on top of that. Uh, right. sw swings get $101.70 or $15 uh, if you're a partial swing. And an understudy of a principal role gets an additional $54.50 or understudying ensemble an extra $15. Right. That and makes so sense. So take, take, take what I was saying before and now move it to <laughs> what to like right here because it'll make more sense now that I've said that. But you can understand... I I I think that it's I think you should get a bump for every role that you have, not just a bump for having multiple roles. You know? Well, yeah, that'd be great. Like if you uh, are a swing for like six roles. Yeah, you'd be like a hundred bucks you'd a piece. Be like, don't don't put me on stage. Give me another role instead. There, I'm sure that we have Broadway understudies listening. There, they're probably like, hey, let's get Josh in there on this next uh, union uh, negotiation. <laughs> yeah. Give me a cigar and like an ill-fitting vest and I'll roll up my shirt sleeves and get down to business. Because you're probably the only person that's ever asked for that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, like I'm a genius. I just came – just give them more money. <laughs> uh, if you're preparing for this, I mean, there are – you know, depending on who you are as an actor, you're going to have different ways of preparing, period. Uh, and Livia found some good examples of what some people have done. Uh, there was an actor named Jay Douglas in 2007 – a member of Drowsy Chaperone. That, that is, <laughs> a, that's a laugh out loud Broadway title, if you ask me. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Uh, he covered two ensemble actors in standby, uh, in a standby for four principals. So that's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And Douglas would sit in the audience, uh, at least, you know, initially, and 
sit there with a cor- with a recorder and quietly record all the movements and then go home and transcribe this stuff mm-hmm. and then just study, 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 basically. Yeah. Uh, that's one high-stress job, court stenographer, colliding with another high-stress right. job of <laughs> understudy or swing, you know? Yeah, good job. Good, uh, good point. So, Jay Douglas um, would would take all those notes and and create basically like a dossier on each of the characters he was expected to fill in for. And so, if he got enough notice, he could like consult the dossier and, you know, refresh his memory of it. Like, if you're an ensemble actor or even a lead, like, you probably have one script and that's all you need. This, this, like, like, Jay Douglas and others would have like multiple scripts and multiple like, Workups or write-ups on their on their different characters. That in and of itself differentiates them to an astounding degree. Totally. Um, and then you know, besides just learning the stuff, all the things that we talked about. Um, sometimes it's different accents, you know, that you have to do and kind of bounce between. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also have to be in in Broadway shape. And uh, Olivia found the example of uh, it's either Laquette or Laquette Charnel Pringle, who was a swing on Mrs. Doubtfire, who aside from learning all these parts over and over again uh, in her mind was like, you know, doing PT and like physical training and doing voice work. Cause you have to keep in physical shape and you have to keep your voice ready for that kind of stamina that mm-hmm. it takes. Cause you may, it may not just be a single performance. You may have to step in for a week or more, or you may eventually become that part. Yeah. That's the thing we'll talk about, but there is a possibility that you, you could end up like permanently in that role if, if things work out in your favor. You got to have your, uh, your toolbox ready. Right. Your machine. So one, one of the things I said is, I don't want to make it seem like it's easy to be an ensemble member of a Broadway show. Of it's, course not. It's, th- this is the point. It's really, really hard, stressful, anxiety-inducing work to do that. And it's work. Like, it's definitely craft, and the people who do this love what they're doing. But it's also, like, really hard work. Um, what I'm saying is that if you are an ensemble or a principal and you go out there every night, you have all sorts of benefits of developing your character just through sheer repetition over time, learning the learning everything so it's, it's like, rote. Um, the people who work as understudies and swings, they don't get that. They very frequently will have not actually done any sort of real rehearsal before they might be pushed out on stage and asked to go ahead and deliver a performance that's on caliber with whoever it is they're replacing, even though they've never actually rehearsed that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, if you are a principal standby, then chances are they call it a put-in. Chances are you have rehearsed with the main cast, you've gotten in that costume, you've worked with the orchestra and the show lighting, because you know that's all that all counts. Like if you're if you haven't rehearsed this stuff, if you've just done it under just the regular stage lights being on, and they're like the musicians aren't there, like everything changes when it's go time and that curtain drops mm-hmm. on the night. And if you're not used to that, it's a whole different situation. But if you are a principal, you've probably done put ins and at least gotten the benefit of maybe a rehearsal or two. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to think in the case of something like Plaza Suite that. SJP did a full run-throughs with the uh, Matthew Broderick's uh, standby and vice versa <laughs> because it's just such a high-pressure situation with just the two parts. Yeah, you But can if, if you're in a big show, there are no guarantees that you're going to have gone through any rehearsal at all necessarily. Or if you are, it's uh, rehearsing with 
other understudies and swings and maybe the mm-hmm. assistant director with no music and no stage lighting and no costumes mm-hmm. like on a like during the day on a on a weekday right and even during those rehearsals um swings might have to fill in for multiple parts during the rehearsal right so I mean, just like just the lighting alone, you got to know the lighting cues. You got to know where to stand. If the light's supposed to be on you, you want to step in just the right place because that's where the lighting person's going to shine that light. If you're rehearsing with work lights, that's a huge disadvantage. If you've never done like the lighting blocking, and that's 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 basically like part and parcel with how understudies and standbys and, and swings are expected to work at a gen- genuine disadvantage, but they're expected to give, you know, like on-caliber performances with the people who have had all those advantages. Another reason why I say they're the hardest working people in show business. I'm picturing a scenario one day. By the way, you might be able to hear hammering next door. There's construction next door. I can't uh, hear it. Okay. I just wanted to let everyone know in case you hear a hammer banging. Uh, it was bound to happen because there's construction next door. Uh, but I'm picturing a scenario one day where we're all out in New York with Yumi and Emily. We're all having dinner with a big group of people. Mm-hmm. And someone's like, oh, my friend's coming who's in a Broadway show. And we're all excited. And Emily's was a theater girl, so she's musical theater. So she's like peppering them with questions. And you go, you take like a sip on your martini and say, so how many parts did you play? <laughs> and the table gets quiet. And they're like, oh, just the one. It was one of the main ensemble parts. And you go, oh, just the one. Interesting. <laughs> Man, you just nailed your impression of me. <laughs> and, every, and just everyone gets really quiet. And we're like, what's the deal with Josh? Because they get up and go to the bathroom. And I say, he's all about the understudy. And they go, oh. <laughs> and I'm in the bathroom going like, what did I say wrong? Why does anyone <laughs> like me? Why did you have I to screw up this dinner too, Josh? <laughs> so, Chuck, let's move on. Um, rehearsals. Not good as far as the understudies go. One of the other things that I think we have to mention that you pointed out earlier is that um, especially with principals and stars of the show, those um, those standbys and understudies are expected to deliver exactly the same performance that the star does every night. Like you, they're not like go in there and do it your way, right. kid. They're <laughs> yeah. they're like go in there and do it exactly the way this actual star does it, kid. Don't screw up. And there's real reason behind that. Like it's not just like you know you're being treated like cattle. It's um, the star has done this in a certain way so that other people have come to expect this ad libbed line that was ad libbed once three years ago and now is like a regular part of the the show even though it's not right they expect you to say that same line so that you have to know that role that character so well that you know you know the character that the actual star has created from the script that's what they want you to do because if not somebody's line is going to get thrown off and you can throw off the entire production like that yeah like the understudy knows this so it's not like uh, the understudy thinks, oh, this is can be my chance to really show them what I bring to the role, mm-hmm. and then their hopes get dashed. I'm sure it, it, you're not necessarily doing an, an impersonation of Matthew Broderick as the understudy. Uh, so, like, things like intonation, you might be able to change it up a little bit, but generally they want you to do what he does. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about what COVID has done, but one uh, apparent thing that COVID has done is given a little more appreciation to the understudy and a little bit more of a, well, hey, in certain situations, maybe it's okay for you to bring something else to the role 
if we talk about it beforehand and stuff like that, like don't surprise everybody. Uh, I mean, if you literally have to go on stage, like if someone, someone falls over with an appendicitis, like 10 minutes before curtain, Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen a lot. Usually there's a little bit of lead time, but uh, in the case of uh, Olivia found this great article for mental floss with a bunch of cool examples. Uh, There was a matinee of wicked and midway through the show, Adele Dazeem, oh, sorry, Adina Menzel. <laughs> Do you even get that reference? Is that Adele's last name? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. That was during the Didn't Academy know. Awards, uh, John Travolta. <laughs> he famously introduced uh, Adina Menzel as Adele Dazeem. The <laughs> Did Oscars. he really? I knew that he had screwed it up, but I didn't realize he screwed it up that bad. Yeah, he completely made up a first name and a surname. <laughs> He's like, why is your name so weird? <laughs> it's great. It's one of the all-time blunders. Uh, but Adina Menzel fell mid-show and fractured a rib, and Shoshana Bean had to go on halfway through the show. And so there's all this, like, chaos going on to try and get her in there and dress so the show doesn't miss a beat. And then poor Shoshana Bean is also in the back of her mind, like, wasn't really told what was going on. Just uh, Adele Dazeem has gone to the hospital. And so this is also in the back of the mind as of like, oh my goodness, what's happened to this person that I've been understudying who I probably have a lot of respect for and maybe have grown close to, but also like how hurt is she? And is this going to, is this my big break? Like all the emotion that comes with something like that is something that you have to just be able to check when you tread those boards. Right. I want to verify for myself and I think every listener who caught it, you said Adele Dazeem the second time. As a joke. It's not, okay, it was as a joke. Good job. Okay. I just wanted to make sure because you slid it in there so well that Thank I you. thought you'd pulled a Josh and just completely flubbed it. Well, I was going to just leave it in there as a hidden joke to begin with. But oh, well, we'll edit this part When I could out. tell that you didn't get it the first time, I had to explain. So, um, Karen Quackenbush um, is another uh, example of that. I read about in a New York Times article from, I think, like 2001. She was a standby for Bernadette Peters in Annie Get Your Gun. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happened. Like, Bernadette Peters got really ill with the stomach virus and apparently, like, was able to keep it together long enough to make it to um, the intermission. And they called Karen Quackenbush. She was having, I guess, a birthday dinner with her husband down the street. And she ran, got into a cab and got to the to the show just in time to hear everybody booing her when they were announced. Oh, man. When they announced that she would be taking over for, um, for Bernadette Peters. But um, that is extremely rare. But it's got to be so dramatic and stressful that those stories are yeah. e- eternally delightful. I could just listen to them all day. Well, I mean, even though it's basically the same story every time. Yeah. How many situations are there where you're a performer who gets their big break and you're walking into it knowing everybody's going to be disappointed when they see me walk out there? (laughs) Right. And I have to withhold all of my creativity and mimic the star just exactly as I can. And on that note, Chuck, you want to take a break uh, real quick? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. We'll be right back, everybody. Hey there, are you thirsty? Well, before you take a sip, have you stopped to think about what's in your water? Many conventional bottled waters contain PFAS, harmful substances known as forever chemicals. But 
you can drink water as clean as nature intended. Richard's rainwater collects 100% pure, refreshing drops of rain. Yes, it really is rain, everybody. This rain is caught clean before it hits the ground or becomes polluted with pesticides and contaminants commonly found in groundwater. Yep, Richard's rainwater is naturally pure with no need for harsh chemicals or additives. That means no added fluoride, no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. And you can enjoy the clean taste of Richard's still rainwater and the long-lasting cold-pressured bubbles of Richard's sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And we even have a special offer, don't we, Josh? Yeah, text STUFF to 2512-928887 and you'll get $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's rainwater. Sip the sky. Hey there, everybody. Here's some bonus stuff you should know. This time it's about traveling to Orlando for business. Orlando has tons of places to host your conferences and meetings. Dr. Michael Edwards, CEO of Ocean Insight, said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when the day is done, you can kick off each evening at one of 46 Michelin-rated restaurants. What's not to love? So check out Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Learning things with Chuck and Okay, we're back. And as I was saying, those uh, those stories where, you know, somebody gets their big break um, because the, the star, you know, got sick or whatever are few yeah. and far between. Um, but for the most part, all the stuff we've talked about where, like, the stress, um, having to, you know, keep your creativity, your own personal creativity in check and, and do mimicry, um, like being on call and never having any idea when you're going to go on. For some people, you're like, I, I would never want to do that. It sounds awful. But there are people who like make careers out of this this type of, of acting. Um, and it's one of those things where once you prove yourself once, twice, a couple of times, you can, they, they will call you 
anytime you want them to. You can be an understudy, you can be a standby, you can be an alternate for the rest of your life because it's so difficult to do that. If you prove yourself, you're in. Yeah, I think there's a lot of jobs in the world that some people view as stepping stones or transient jobs that other Mm -hmm. people are quite happy to do their whole life. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember when I first went to L.A. and when I was 18 and my brother worked on Dear John and I was an ex, he got me on as an extra. I love that show. Yeah, it was so good. And I was in it. (laughs) Which episode? Oh, uh, I remember Kirk goes skiing, John... I don't remember exactly what happened. I, I could probably dig it up, but I play a, a bus boy in a scene, and uh, 18-year-old me, I look like I was 12, but I was up there with the extras <laughs> in between, and this is my first experience with any of this stuff. Uh-huh. And um, I remember these extras that seemed so old to me. They were probably in their 30s, now that I look back. <laughs> so old. But they were kind of career extras, and I remember talking to them about that, and they were like, you know... Uh, sure, I still audition, but I've like the reality has hit me that I'll probably never make it. But hey, I'm in the union. I've got great health care. I constantly work as a stand-in or a or a uh, uh, an extra or a featured extra, mm-hmm. and make good money. And I know my schedule. And like, I'd rather do this than wait tables or something. Where waiting tables, I can be a permanent job. I worked with career waiters as well. But mm-hmm. under studies, it's. Like you said, it's not always just a transient thing. You got to have – just because you're good on stage and you can sing and dance doesn't mean you can handle the kind of pressures, additional pressures that come with this. It takes a special kind of performer, and some people are good at it, and they know it, and they stick to it. I'm sure they always would want that lead part, but it's not like they're like, oh, if I could just get out of this understudy thing all the time. No, some people really get off on the additional pressure of not knowing and knowing, like, you could be called at any second. Some people, like, really like that. And then the additional work of having to understand and and know all these different parts, like, some people really like that. But like you said, a lot of people view it as a stepping stone. And astonishingly, it actually has been a stepping stone. Like, sometimes the stars have aligned for people whose names we know today— because they started out as an understudy mm-hmm. or a standby. Um, and Bernadette Peters, who I mentioned, um, she uh, she went down during one performance. She actually started out as an understudy, I think all the way back in age 13. And then later on, on Broadway, with her first real Broadway job, um, she was a standby. So she started out. I don't know that she had any, like, um, like moment where you know, she she hit it big. I think she just was one of those, you know, workhorses who's like, right. give me whatever job you can, and then just kept going from there and, and became a star as a result. Yeah, like as the story goes, she understudied and performed uh, the lead part, or I don't know about the lead, because I don't know. Uh, I think the child lead. I don't know, Gypsy as well, but uh, played Dainty June, mm-hmm. um, filled in and did this, and apparently as the story goes, uh, Bernadette Peters' mom put that on the resume that, like, she she played Dainty June. I, I'm curious, you know, this was in the ni- early 1960s, about the sort of ethics of doing that now of your resume. Like, if you put, you know, played opposite Sarah Jessica Barker in Plaza Suite, mm-hmm. they're <laughs> like, well, you did that for three days. Like, I don't know if, if you're allowed to put that on your resume. Right. Um, I mean, or you could point it out, like, understudy and filled in for so many days, but from the impression I get, Bernadette Peters' mom kind of said, like, she played this on Broadway. 
Right, but at least Bernadette Peters had de- de- plausible deniability where she's like, yeah, my yep, mom did my that. Mom. <laughs> um, I didn't know this, but Anthony Hopkins apparently got a huge break because he was an understudy to Sir Lawrence Olivier. Yes, people. in the West End. Yeah. Um, it, there was a, sh- a play called The Dance of Death, um, which sounds like a really odd, unnerving play. Um, it's set in like a, a remote Swedish island. Uh, I think of the 19th century. It's just weird. Um, but in 1967, um, Olivier uh, came down with appendicitis, and uh, Anthony Hopkins filled in for him. And Olivier basically said he crowned him as like his successor by, yeah. by writing about what a good job. He, he said he walked away with the part of Edgar, that was Olivier's role, like a cat with a mouse between its teeth. <laughs> Nice. So uh, that was a huge break for Anthony Hopkins to start out with. And, you know, long story short, Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> uh, Tay Diggs, uh, who famously was in Rent mm-hmm. and obviously in TV and films, he was a understudy uh, in 19, the 1994 revival of Carousel. And then Shirley MacLaine, uh, film legend Shirley MacLaine, was an understudy on Broadway in the 1950s as a teenager and uh, 10 days into the main performance, uh, I believe it was Carol Haney fell ill or just fell. Yeah, I think fell. <laughs> it was an injury in this case. Mm-hmm. Uh, finished the show, but Shirley MacLaine had to fill in uh, with about a half hour's notice. Screwed up a little bit, uh, cursed uh, audibly on stage <laughs> because she goofed up and like dropped her hat in one scene. Uh, but everyone was impressed, and uh, Alfred Hitchcock came to see that play a few months later and cast her in The Trouble with Harry. And mm-hmm. she went on to great, great fame. Yeah, and she became – whose mom was she? Uh, whose mom who's, – whose who's kids? I don't know. I don't either. I always want to say Carrie Fisher, but that's Debbie Reynolds' kid, right? Yeah, is that what you're thinking? Maybe, maybe. Who knows? Um, there's another one, too, Chuck, that's worth mentioning because she kind of ushers us into the Broadway in the COVID age. Her name is Sutton Foster. She was an understudy. She tried out for the lead in Thoroughly Modern Millie, and she didn't get it. So she said, okay, well, will you make me the, the understudy to that role? And it turned out the actor who had that role um, left. And so they turned to Sutton Foster and said, hey, you want to you wanna star? And she turned it into, a, I think, a Tony Award in 2002. Well, fast forward to December of 2021, mm-hmm. and she's working as the, the lead in um, The Music Man, I believe. And she catches COVID. And her understudy takes over for her, Kathy Voitko, Voitko, yeah, V-O-Y-T-K-O. She took over for her, and she did such a great job that one of the greatest people on the planet, from what I can tell, Hugh Jackman, mm-hmm. gave a um, now-famous speech um, singing the praises of understudies and Kathy Voigt. Did he really sing it? He should have. Almost, almost. <laughs> he had to stop himself, you could tell. <laughs> yeah. But he was talking about, he said something like, when, when she arrived for work today, she could have played any of eight different roles and then went on to basically talk about how understudies are like the, the, the thing that keeps Broadway going. That's awesome. And... It was because Sutton Foster came down with COVID that uh, Kathy Voitko got to kind of step into that spotlight, courtesy of Hugh Jackman. And 
Um, one of the reasons it became such big news was not just because Hugh Jackman gave the speech, although in large part it was, but also because COVID was just decimating Broadway at the time. And there were shows that were like, you know, having to cancel performances. There were all sorts of understudies and uh, standbys and alternates being thrown every which way. Um, and it was a really hard time. And I think still in some ways is a hard time for Broadway right now. Like you said, um, Plaza Suite yeah. is now is currently dark right On now. On hold. Right? Yeah, because of COVID. Yeah, I mean, I think what it did was it really highlighted the necessity and the value of swing and understudies and standbys. I think they were probably, or at least it seems just from reading up on it, for many years, Mm -hmm. a little taken for granted, of course, that they would always be there, maybe underhired, because Broadway, like a lot in the film and television industry, you are expected to perform sick or injured mm-hmm. uh, unless you absolutely cannot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like regular jobs. You're like, oh, I don't feel too good. I can't go in. It's like, you go in anyway. Uh, there was a um, the president of Actors' Equity, Kate Schindel, uh, tweeted out, and this was about you know the COVID surge and the slide on understudies, uh, tweeted this. Uh, My educated guess is that when employers consistently reject our efforts to negotiate for more swings, understudies, and sub-stage managers. We haven't even talked about that. Like mm-hmm. if you're on the crew and you get sick, someone has to fill in. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the industry model has grown dependent on people working sick or injured. It's short-sighted and unsafe. Uh, and this, you know, kind of forced Charlotte St. Martin, who is president of the Trade Association of the Broadway League, to sort of apologize, not sort of, to like fully apologize and and kind of call for producers to cover their shows adequately. And it, like I said before, it led to more things like, hey, maybe an understudy can actually bring a little something to the role. Maybe we shouldn't take such uh, take them for granted as much. Yeah, Charlotte St. Martin had apparently thrown some shade on the understudies and um, got called out by Kate Schindel. So uh, I guess from from what the New York Times is saying, they are able to, or they're using this to to try to make it easier on understudies and standbys to to give them like full rehearsals and actually have the lighting people there during it and like like make it so that it's just a slightly less stressful job and that there's more of them working um which is yeah that is good like that's a that's an improvement it's the same thing like you were saying with the film industry when the transition it's going through now where it's like no you really shouldn't work a 28 hour day every day and just be expected to uh, whenever the director or producer wants you to be there, you know it's yes. um, any any time there's an improvement like that, it's an improvement for all. Amen to that. Uh, the one thing I don't think we mentioned that I think is uh, important is that sometimes you may audition as the understudy, and sometimes you may audition for the lead role if it's not like already set in stone, like Matthew Broderick's going to play this role and that's why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. If it's just open auditions for the lead role, they might say, boy, you're really good and I'm not going to cast you, but I'd love to cast you as the understudy. Sometimes it goes that way. Yeah. So like if you want to be on stage, you have to basically be like, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, Like I'm I'm not taking understudy parts because you can get typecast into them because it's hard to do and not everybody wants to do it. Or you roll the dice that, uh, you know, things happen. That thoroughly modern Millie's going to crack her ankle. Yeah, that was that other funny story we didn't kind of get to about uh, someone wrote in, it feels like anonymously, to play Bill that was an understudy that said, you know, I secretly wanted to poison the lead actor. Because, <laughs> like, 
you don't think about like besides all the work that goes into it, they're like we we could never make firm plans with anybody. We can never right. schedule anything because you're you know you're just on call. That on call life is tough. Whether you're a yes. pediatrician or a or an understudy or a logistician. Or <laughs> Very nice. Bring it all back around. You got anything else? Uh, nothing else, sir. Well, everybody, I say go out and hug an understudy, a standby, a swing, or an alternate today. Yeah, ask them first. Yes. They may not want to be hugged. Especially if they're not wearing a name tag with the hug dot system on. That's right. Um, well, since Chuck said that's right, of course, everybody, that means it's time for a listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this uh, Sliding Canada, as always. Hey guys, love the show. Promise to keep it short. Uh, just listen to the pubs episode, which we heard a lot of people really like that episode, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, which brought back tons of good memories of two summers I spent taking Canadian undergrads to Wales. There were many pubs, but I can't not note uh, that Josh said George Washington took his troops to a pub to, quote, toast the British leaving the continent of North America, end quote. Knock, knock. Canada called. Unless George Washington was still kicking it in 1931 when the Statue of Westminster was signed or in 1982 when Canada's constitution was repatriated. But even then, the Crown's representative is still the head of state up here. I realize this is the most pedantic Sam of emails. Never heard that. Uh, But one of us has to make use of a PhD in Canadian literature somehow. Love the show. Heard every episode. All the best, Brenna. Very nice, Brenna. That was, we just got taken to school and put in one of those desks that you lift the top on to see oh, your books. Oh, man. That's how, that's how hard we just got schooled, Chuck. <laughs> I'm sorry to drag you along with me, but I'm oh, glad you were right. there for moral support. I'll be there. I'll just uh, make clear the inkwell outside, and I'll get in with you. <laughs> Who was that, Brenna? That was Brenna. It was Brenna, a correction kudos. that was smarmy, but also charming and funny. Which made it lovable. That's right. So if you want to send us an email like Brenna did, let's see what you got. Take your best shot. Don't smoke pot. Or do. (laughs) You can send it off to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold-pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. 
Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.